to episode two of the Wrong Football Podcast. My name's Dan, I'm here with G, the editor of thewrongfootball.com, and we're here to give you our thoughts on all things NFL this week. Hello! So let's have a look at uh, the uh, big stories this week, and I suppose really the uh, the big story um, for, for, for this week is, is the return of, of NFL to Wembley. We'll go back at uh, Wembley, the Jags um, hosting the Bills this, uh, this week. Uh, it's the 13th regular season game played at Wembley since 2007, since the International Series started, and it's the third of Jags' four-year commitment to playing at Wembley. It's only a good thing for, uh, for NFL and, and England and Europe, I think, isn't it? It's yeah no it's proved to be a great success the commitments keep coming obviously we've got uh, the promise of more games pretty much guaranteed till 2020 you've got the developments at Tottenham yeah it seems to be really coming together and there's a couple of interesting things that are happening this week especially yeah i think um, i think it's i think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of games in the, over the next couple of weeks the jags and uh, the bills the jags have never really particularly done very well at wembley over the last couple of years so it'll be quite interesting to see how they how they do things and it's but what i do like is is how well they've they've kind of taken to 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 England and how they've they've tried to really expand their their fan base over here. Yeah, no, they've definitely made a real effort to make friends over here, come over here, do routines, and basically grow the game and see it as an, as an opportunity to expand their revenue stream and their fan base, rather than seeing it as losing a game at home. What the fans in Jacksonville think about that, I don't know, but for us, certainly, it's a good sign to the league that you know teams are prepared to take this seriously and really put an effort into it. Well, I suppose then the uh, the national thing to kind of look at then is what you think about the idea of having a franchise over here in London or or anywhere in the in the UK. What do you think? Do you think it'll be a, it'll be it would be a success if it took off? Do you think it's something that would be difficult to to kind of get going? What what do we think? Personally, I'm one of those sceptics about an actual franchise. I envisage it expanding to very possibly an eight game or even maybe a sixteen game option these days, just because of how successful the early game has proved to be in America. In terms of now, you can wake up to football. This is the campaign over there, and it's another game that they can watch. You can just literally spend all day watching football, which is uh, not a bad thing. But with the logistics of it, sticking players over here, you know, you hear talk of, oh, we'll do four game stretches. It just feels to me that competitively, I'm not sure they can balance it to actually have a franchise here. Never mind the whole, there will be guys that come over, and I'm sure if we had a London franchise, those of us would already have teams would like back them as their second franchise. But the moment they play our teams, you know, I've been a Bengals fan for, for 20 something years plus. It's, yeah. I, I'm not going to stop being that, and there's a lot of people who feel like that. I'm exactly the same if I'm perfectly honest. I'd be, I'd be look, able to look out their uh, their scores and things like that, but I really don't think I'd be I could bring myself to to support a team properly. As you say, take them as a second team, but but not as my not as my first. As soon as like you say, as soon as they start playing Miami, I'm I'm all over that. Absolutely, and the other fascinating thing for me looking at this week is the big thing that Yahoo are doing, which we've got for the first streaming. time. Streaming, yeah. yeah. Again, not on domestic television in the States, only available if you're in the Jacksonville or... Um, Buffalo. Yeah, but the, apart from those places, it's streaming free on the internet. And that's going to... I bet you that the NFL will be getting all the details about who's watching where, how many, what ad buys they're going to get. It's another revenue stream. They're looking to expand. They're already talking about taking Pro Bowl to Brazil, games in Mexico. Germany would be an obvious target if they want to expand the international yeah, series. Yeah, because of the huge fan base that's over there and you know a lot of them come from all over Europe. I think the international series is here to stay. I think the commitment to London is there between the new ground that's being built for Tottenham, Wembley. I think it will expand to other countries. I just don't see a franchise. I think you're right for the time being, but we'll see what happens. 
Anyway, um, next piece of news. Um, I think Philip Rivers is probably the uh, another big piece of news this week. Philip Rivers um, set some Chargers franchise records this week. Three records, 503 yards, which is a, a franchise record, 43 completions and 65 attempts. They still weren't good enough to uh, to beat the Packers. Packers do have, I mean, obviously Packers are probably the best defence in the league uh, at the moment. And I would disagree with you quite strongly about that, but we'll cover that in a second. <laughs> okay, I think they're 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 probably one of the best defense. They're the best defense, if not very very nearly the best defense in the uh, in the league. And I think it's for them to get five hundred and three passing yards. He'd still need another three to uh, to get that touchdown at the end. But uh, I think that's a serious that's a serious statement there coming from from Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, I'm a bit in love with him. If you didn't pick up on um, either my writings during the week or the podcast last week. He was so good in the um, game against the Steelers because their line was just doing nothing to protect him. He had the ball out so quickly. It was very much a living demonstration of what I was talking about with the old adage about the quarterback having enough reps for the game slows down and their body still allowing them to perform. He's probably towards the end of that window, but he's very much in that window. It was a fabulous performance. The thing I will say about it is that as far as the Green Bay defence goes, the best defence in the league does not give up 500 yards. But even before then, I think that you have to look at the Jets and you have to look at the Broncos as a level above anybody. And then we can start arguing about the other great defences in the league. I think some of this is schedule. They are still not great against the run, although they've been better this year. But it's not to say they're bad and they've got good defensive backs, but they are not an elite defence in my opinion. Would you say then that the, uh, the it probably says a bit more about the uh, the Chargers' running game than than it does the the, the fact that Philip Rivers had a particularly good game? There's an element of that. They've been a little bit better this year. I like their rookie, although he's a bit boom and bust because it's that first year he's getting used to it. But obviously they've got mm. Danny Woodhead in the backfield who is, gives you a multitude of weapons. But when you have a player with the ability of Rivers and quite frankly who's had to step up because the line just isn't blocking well enough, it's hard to get the ball going on the ground when your line can't open up holes unless you have Barry Sanders behind your line. So there's an element of a run, but a lot of it is just to do with Philip Rivers just seems to be at the moment strapping that team to his back and carrying them as far as he can. Mm, I saw a stat this week after the game that I quite liked. His his previous record before this 503-yard game was 455 yards in Seattle in 2010, and they lost that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he is really good, but there, there's been consistently really good squads in the Chargers. Uh, they're a bit further down at the moment, but they've never quite put the total package around him. Yeah. No, and that includes right. the coaching with, you know, when you had um, Ladanian Tomlinson and that amazing defense, it's just, they never quite had the full package. It's really, really hard to win playoff games, yet alone Super Bowl. It absolutely is. So the other thing I wanted to uh, to kind of talk about in the news this week uh, from the what the bloody hell was that files the Colts faked uh, fake punt they're uh, at the end of the end of the third quarter if you haven't seen this please go and have a look at the uh, the highlights because it is just one of those things where I just looked at it and thought I, I just couldn't get my head around it they showed that they showed that they were going to punt and then they then they moved their line stacked it up to the right hand side of the field there was no uh, protection on that on uh, against uh, the guy who was who was snapping it. They just got they just got uh, got their asses handed to them. It was uh, one of the best descriptions I've seen of it, or actually, it was I heard of it was on. I can't. I'm failing both to remember the gentleman's name or the podcast where he got his tweet 
um, read out, but it was, um, could we discuss the Colts trick play twattery? (laughs) (laughs) And it's just the best description. But if you watched the clip, do listen to Chris Collingsworth just going mad on the commentary because it is wonderful because he can't believe it either. I've listened to a few people talk about it. And the interesting thing for me is it's evidence of a coach trying too hard. Uh, It's a play that they've practiced supposedly, only not with the guy over the ball that was there because he was injured. Mm. So why are you running that play? But also, why are you trying to out-trick the Patriots of all teams? They're known as one of the best coached, most thoroughly prepared teams in the league. The whole thing about Bill Belichick and that squad is do your job. And if you look, the interesting thing for me is not what the hell the Colts are doing. It's look after the initial confusion, how quickly and calmly the Patriots get themselves lined up and then the guy who's under center who is so he can't fake snap it sideways wherever because he's got two hands in between his legs and the guy snapping the ball hasn't practiced it that's a bad coaching decision i mean and not only that but bad preparation because it's an illegal setup so they've yeah. practiced this play and they're not even lined up in a legal way uh it's a nightmare. It's just oh dear. So in the in, in the interest of balance, I suppose I should uh, probably read out the uh, the quote from Coach Pagano this week. Um, following that play, he said uh, the design was to actually maybe get them to burn a timeout that they might need later on in the game, or catch them with too many men on the field. Yada yada yada. Didn't work out that way. It, it certainly didn't. <laughs> no, it really didn't. We're talking very fine margins. You probably would have been better working on getting your defence lined up, getting your offence prepared for the next snap and just trying to beat them with straight ahead football because you're just not going to out-coach Coach Belichick to a degree that gets you that much of an advantage on this tinier thing. It just seems a misplaced uh, amount of effort. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so the game of the week, Arizona Cardinals at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, ended up as 25-13 win for the Steelers, uh, which I must say I didn't see coming. Um, I thought was, uh, it, it, I mean, it was a, it was a good game. Um, I, I hadn't seen uh, the Cardinals before before this week. This was, this was my first time I'd seen them this season. I hadn't had a chance to watch them. Um, and it was impressive, quite an impressive start for for, for their defense, but I don't think the the offense pre- really got uh, got started particularly quickly. I don't know about I don't know what you what you thought of the game, G. It was a very interesting game for me. The Steelers are having an interesting season because there's a lot of good bits floating around and a few bad bits, and I've been surprised at how well they've managed to hang in. Yeah, The Cardinals made a few key critical problems and mistakes, which it's that thing where, where you keep going for it and you're that aggressive. If you're not quite dropping the ball in and Carson Palmer had one or two iffy ones and certainly a bad pick, and the defence kept going... But basically, I think the Steelers won it because Vic took, I'm still not sure if it was the hit to the head or the knee, or it's a hamstring, wasn't it? But you know, he came out injured, and of all people, Landry Jones, who I confess I really know nothing about, came yeah, in. No. And the Steelers' offense, which had basically done pretty much nothing throughout the game, they'd been a machine of just free and out and punt. So Landry Jones comes in, and suddenly he's hitting his receivers, he's stretching the field with Martavis Bryant, that then opens up the running game and suddenly Le'Veon Bell, who's had a tough first half, suddenly there's room for him to run. And that offense kicks into gear and all of a sudden, in about a quarter and a half, he leads them to a what looks like, or at least in the score, a pretty convincing mm. victory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a, it was a good game, and I think they were the other thing for Arizona is they were quite heavily hurt by uh, by penalties. They had nine penalties, 111 yards, um, and it's. I mean, we know that this season they the the referees are very very shall we say touchy um, but 
111 yards is, is, is really hurt them, I think. It's it's a lot of penalties to give up. You miss a few opportunities. I think the Cardinals are not a bad team, but um, I think they're a better team at home than they are on the road. And the Steelers seem to be just having this ability to drag other teams down to their level at the moment. Mm, and yeah. when they get Ben Roethlisberger back from, from his injury, and they don't have to rely on, on these backup quarterbacks, I think that offense is really going to take off. Defense is playing tough, even if it isn't the best unit in the league, and they're going to be a pain. I think they're in the wild card hunt. Yeah, they are. Well, it was a, it was a end of the game. It was a eighty-eight yard touchdown for Martavis Bryant. Uh, just less than two minutes to go on the game, so uh, they, they they still run it run it fairly closely, and I think they were still going for it at the end, but uh, not to be, unfortunately, for the Cardinals. So twenty-five thirteen to the Steelers, and uh, we we both we both picked this one wrong. We both clearly need to pay more attention to um, who is playing home and away. I believe you picked one home team all week last week. I did. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. As soon as I was, when I was sending them through to you the other day, I thought, I can't believe I've picked just the one home game. And as a result, I probably only ended up with six uh, six wins. So, uh, not great. Well, I had more of a mix and I only got five. So, let's not... <laughs> Let's yeah. not put too much thought into that, but you know. Well, the other another one that, that kind of made us feel a, a bit, little bit silly this uh, this week was the uh, the Falcons uh, at the Saints. We were all very uh, not very nice about the uh, about the, the the Saints against Falcons uh, or the prospect of it uh, last last week. I believe the term was uh, they're going to the Falcons are going to kill them, um, and uh, the Saints ended up winning thirty one twenty one. And they looked really impressive, especially on uh, on defense and special teams. A, re- a really, really good game from them. It's it's just interesting for me, um, just because. Firstly, we shouldn't feel bad about it because if you have a listen around the league and to all the experts, we were all getting this wrong. Um, <laughs> if you think my quote was bad, there's a gentleman who um, promised to walk a cake to his friend in Scotland if the Falcons lost, and they did. Brilliant. But. Um, it wasn't so much actually the defence that impressed me with the Saints. They were clearly up for the game. Uh, I wrote about this in, in my review. They yeah. were a desperate team at home. I don't like so much of that story behind the team, but they were clearly just playing at an intensity that the Falcons weren't ready for. They got ahead because the big story for me was the fact that they found something on offence that worked and stuck with it. The Falcons' defence actually got a lot of penetration, but because Breeze is so good and the offense coordinator and Sean Payton worked out fairly early on that if they moved Breeze just a little bit, they were available to miss the um, early rush. And they just kept going to Ben Watson and kept going to Ben Watson. And the Falcons didn't have a linebacker or a safety that they could adjust to put on him. Mm. And they just ruthlessly exploited that, got ahead in the game. That brought the crowd into it. Defense played well, except that they could not stop the run. Devonta Freeman got over 100 yards on like 13 carries. He also got 50 yards in the past game and two two touchdowns. He's um, something of a fantasy football phenomenon. Bit but monster, because yeah. the Falcons were behind, game flow meant they couldn't run as much as they wanted to. They've been very good in 21 personnel, so um, running back and a fullback and a tight end and keeping extra defenders in or extra people blocking in so that and running a few people out to get roots and suddenly they were having to go to shotgun formations with three receivers and they couldn't protect um, Matt Ryan and they lost and credit to the Saints they did really well however not everything is fixed I don't trust that defence um, I was really impressed with Cameron Jordan number 94 who um, ended the game with three sacks got a lot of pressure and did a lot of disruptive things but 
they're not good in run defence and I think a more balanced offence or a good offensive team could have success and what we've learnt with the Falcons is that they're much much improved I think Dan Quinn's done a great job with them however there are just one or two weaknesses that haven't gone away as much as we thought they've done a brilliant job with the zone blocking scheme but their offensive line is not fixed and that's a definite weakness and if you can get them in they can play one way but if you can get ahead and make them try and chase you and you've got the defense and the offense to do it which is a big if for any team but they are beatable they are a level below some of the other undefeated teams that are now and are now not undefeated they but are. Yeah, I still think they stand a very good chance of winning that division. I think you're probably right. I think they, but they probably will. I, I'll tell you what I did like, and just only just quickly touch on this. But uh, I really like the chase down punt. I love chase down punts. That's what I, I love seeing them, and you don't get them nearly often enough. But uh, one against uh, against the uh, the Falcons this this week for the uh, for the Saints. Is this your safety, Dan? Is this what you're trying to tell me? This, that you this you are a special safety. teams fan. Is that what yeah. you're trying to tell me? That you like kick pub blocks is that what you're trying to tell me it probably is i think i think you might be right i think that might be my my safety well you are an ex fullback you know you're going to spend most of your time on special teams and and occasionally blocking for people so yeah to, maybe be, to be fair it. i did <laughs> that's spot on well we uh we, we yeah as i say we both put this one uh this one wrong we weren't uh we, we didn't think that, uh, that the saints would win this one but uh onto a onto a much more interesting game for me uh, the Dolphins. I had a really weird mental blip. I nearly shouted "Who day?" because you mentioned exciting and game, and it's just like oh, no, a no. reflex with me. But um, do Dolphins have an alternative cheer? I know the whole song with the Miami Dolphins, Miami oh, yeah. Dolphins, etc. But I don't know. You know, do you have any kind of chance or anything like that, or is it? No, no, that's pretty much it. Living perfectly it's honest. It's pretty hard, in fairness, to be aggressively supportive of your team when your mascot is a dolphin. Yeah, that's one of the things my uh, my mate at work constantly says is of all the teams you could have you literally you live in the UK you could have picked any team you, you possibly uh, could have imagined and you decided to go for the most girly team that you, that, uh, that exists. So um, yeah, well, but not the most girly head coach said he desperately getting the podcast back on track. Fantastic, uh, very good segue. And yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dan Campbell uh, first week in uh, in his, his interim head coach, thirty eight to ten victory against the Tennessee Titans this week for the Miami Dolphins. And I must say, everything that we that we looked like we did badly in, the, in weeks one to four, we did well this week. We'd got we'd had in in the first four weeks, we'd have one sack. We ended up with with, with five sacks in the first half, six in total uh, on Mariota and and Mettenberger, and he came on at the uh, towards towards the end. I think we were probably helped a little bit by the by the fact that Mariota uh, had a, a bit of a knee injury quite early on in the game. Vernon um, had a pretty low tackle on him which looked a bit dirty but uh, oh well if it takes him out of the game for uh, for, for a little bit that's not not, uh, not not a problem for me as a Dolphins fan that's bullshit football I know he says with the, with the least neutral uh, head on in the world um but uh, it was it, yeah it, I mean it was it was it was a good it was a good performance from the Dolphins I, th- I was really quite impressed it's a problem for me just because it sort of runs counter to the story I'm trying to tell about the importance of measured coaching yeah, yeah. and the way of approaching a game and basically he's being like rah rah up and at him and I worry about that long term just because I think players can tune that out because there's only so many times you can hear the same thing and maintain that intensity and you see that quite a lot in a lot of sport that you have those high intensity coaches and they can only maintain that for so long with the same groups of players before the message gets getting filtered however he was what this team needed clearly because they looked like they wanted to play they were really fighting hard obviously 
I was aware of this bouncer, but I was so um, wary of this team from just the first few weeks that I saw no evidence that it was there. And I was just suspicious that Dan Campbell in this position could have the effect that we wanted to see if you're a, a Dolphins fan. And fair play to him. He's come out. He's done it. Whether he'll keep the job, whether he'll be able to sustain it, only time will tell. But first game up. First win, first game ball presented to him. First Gatorade bath. That's it, yeah. Koamisi looked very good. Well, the, one of the um, surprise um, kind of stand-up packages of this year, I think, has been uh, has been Koamisi, uh, one of the inside linebackers. Um, really, really done really well this season. I noticed he was he was very good at, at Wembley, and as you know, I'm more of an offense man, so me giving praise to a particular defense man means he must be very good. Um, <laughs> I, I, I was just going to say, tell me more about this man. Is, is he one of your draft picks, or is he a free agent? Let me Tell me more, because I'm not used to you going, Oh, a linebacker. Well, no, that's it. I mean, he's as you say, uh, they're not, uh, they're not. A, oh, I don't often get excited by him, but it, he was, he was, very, he's been very good this all season. This season, he's, he's been at the uh, Dolphins for a couple of years now. Um, six tackles and, and two assists in this game. He's and very good. And I think, I think uh, we need we need more of that. I think more more players kind of starting to stand out a little bit because uh, everyone's been a little bit flat this uh, for the first. Well, the first certainly were for the first four games. So. Not a bad thing. Well, next time I'm looking at the coaching tape or a game, I should keep an eye that's out. That's it. For that's it. it. Number number fifty-four. Go on, Macy. Um, so we both picked this one. Uh, we we both picked for this one. We you picked the Titans. I picked the Dolphins, as I always do, uh, and I was correct. So uh, that's uh, one in the win column for me. And I've pretty much soundly explained why I went the other way, yep. and I don't feel bad about it. Although, if you're predicting games, maybe you shouldn't wait until the team have shown you something before you say that they might do it. But we shall just have to see. Yep, no, that's it. So the uh, the last game that we'll uh, we'll kind of go over today then is the uh, well this this is when you can shout who day uh, so who day uh, there we go um, so the uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, at the Buffalo Bills they uh, beat them thirty four to twenty one. Uh, you watched this game, didn't you? What's uh, what did you what did you think of this one? I thought that we did really well on offense again. I'm huge fan of what Hugh Jackson has done this year. Continuing on from a good start last year, it's just that he has all the players to do it this year. I'm touching on this in my blog this week as well yep. as talking about quarterback development and going into quite a lot of stuff about what's been said about Andy Dalton. But from this game, it was more of the same. They bracket coveraged AJ Green and we picked them apart with the rest of the weapons. We ran the ball. Uh, we took the crowd out of it. Our offensive line is one of the best units in the league right now. We didn't give up a sack. Barely gave up. I think it was one quarterback hit all game to their much vaunted line. And we defeated Rex Ryan's um, blitzing schemes. I think it was it was quite interesting to see that um, that, that both teams had had pretty much very well very similar passing passing and rushing figures. But uh, you've obviously made a lot more of uh, the, the Bengals. Obviously made a lot more of their of their yardage. Our defense has been a bit more bend but don't break this season. They've been mm. very good for the most part. Uh, they gave up a bit on the run and a bit in the air more than I would have liked. 21 points against that Bills offense, which isn't exactly running great at the moment. But a couple of injuries in that, and we did the job away. But the offense is balanced. Rex Ryan is already, you're hearing grumbles, as you do also often around the team, because he's not afraid of letting his players speak. You've got players complaining about the scheme and the fact that we pay an awful lot of money to four defensive linemen to rush the passer. That was our foundation last year, and now we're rushing free, and Mario Williams is complaining how much that he's dropping, and... It has to be said, as an opposing fan, when you're watching your offense and you see him drop into coverage going with your tight ends, you're going, hey, 
I quite fancy that much up for us, particularly if you've got yeah. Tyler Eifert going up against him. But B, yes, one of the best pass rushers in the league is going in the run direction. That helps. That's it, absolutely. Was um, obviously the previous weeks, Andy Dalton's been one of the standout players. Well, the standout probably player I would have probably thought. Was he as dominant as he's been in the earlier part of the season? I'm hesitant to say dominant because it brings up images of what Aaron Rodgers and what Tom Brady have done over such a long season. And I'm trying to be careful about getting overexcited. I see it more (laughs) as an evolution as he steps into his fifth year. I think he's more comfortable in the offense. I think he's got the weapons around him this year, which is one of the big things he didn't have last year. And I just think he executed a game plan that really, really worked. He's heavily involved in that game plan. I'm now previewing stuff I'm writing about. But you're hearing from Bengals insiders that on Tuesdays, the Bengals day off, he's actually in the building working with Hugh Jackson on the game plan. He understands what everything what the offense is doing. Everybody does because you can't pull some of the stuff they're doing with linemen lining up everywhere. And you'll notice there was an end-around sort of trick play where Mohamed Sanu stopped as if he was going to throw a ball. He's an ex-college quarterback. He's something like never thrown an incompletion, yet alone um, into the interception in the few passes he's run. Um, he's got about three touchdowns as well off about half a dozen passes. He mm. is, um, it's an effective tactic, but yeah. one of the good reasons is because he's a college quarterback and they trust him. He stopped, looked to throw, didn't see anything he liked and took the ball, took, pulled the ball down, ran, picked up eight yards. It's just everything's working. I'm trying not to get too excited, but we're 6-0. and We've only done that um, twice before and the last time we did it was in 1988 and we went to the Super Bowl I'm not predicting that let's not uh, let's not rush ahead of things uh, oh no I am so not I'm just beginning to get that dangerous hope that we might finally get that 500 pound gorilla off our back about a playoff win well, I'm starting to think we might have that .500 season so uh, well, fingers crossed um, <laughs> we just have to see that's it well we both uh, we both picked the Bengals this week so we were both uh, both right with our picks Looking at the rest of the league then for uh, week six. Broncos kept their unbeaten streak alive in Cleveland, but not without going to overtime against the Browns. Uh, 26-23 win keeps them atop of the AFC West as one of the five remaining unbeaten teams in the league. At the other end of the league, the Lions picked up their first win of the season with a close run but high-scoring match against the Chicago Bears, with Detroit eventually winning 37 points to 34. In Jacksonville, the Texans used just one quarterback for the first time this season, but the stability paid off as the Houston Texans beat the Jaguars 31 points to 20. In Kansas City, the Chiefs' poor run of results continued this week with a 16 points to 10 loss in Minnesota against the Vikings. The Jets kept themselves in the running in the AFC East with a win over Washington at the MetLife Stadium, winning 34 points to 20 after another strong game from Chris Ivory, who registered just short of 150 rushing yards and 50 receiving yards in the process. In Seattle, the Seahawks were once again the narrow losers, uh, this time uh, against Cam Newton's still-unbeaten Panthers, who won by 27 points to 23. Speaking of narrow wins, even though Philip Rivers threw for 500, over 500 yards, it wasn't quite enough to beat the Packers, who uh, go into their bye week at 6-0 after beating the Chargers 27 points to 20 with an exciting finish at Lambeau Field. In a replay of 2013 Super Bowl, the 49ers uh, beat the Baltimore Ravens 20-25 to to get their own back, although I'm sure if you uh, asked them, they'd prefer to uh, have got the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl win a couple of years back. In the late game on Sunday, the Colts lost by a touchdown 34-27 to against the Patriots in Indianapolis. And on Monday night, the Eagles took the top spot in the NFC East with a wide-open victory against the Giants in Philadelphia, 27 points to 7. The ball is loose! It's a fair 
So before we go on to look on at uh, week seven's games, we'll turn to the blog to see what G's been writing about this week. Uh, G, I know you've looked at the coaching tape from the Browns Ravens game uh, from last week. Uh, without giving too much away, what did you what did you think? It was an interesting game for me, just because it wasn't one where I was sat there going, "Oh, look at that play or that play," which or that play by that player, which might be indicative of what was going on. It was what was really interesting to me was, believe it or not, the offenses and what personnel groupings were working for which team. Mm. You mentioned in it a, a twelve. You said the Ravens used a twelve used twelve personnel. Want to just just go into a little bit of detail what you what you meant by that? Uh, yes, so it's a counting system that um, NFL teams and scouts use to identify quickly what formation, what players the offenses are using, mainly what personnel. So the two numbers basically give you the number of running backs, then the number of tight ends, and then whatever is left is the number of um, receivers you've got. So if you think of a standard pro set, what you imagine from playing for Madden before this wave of single back formations you'd have a full back where you played running yep. back tight end that would be a 21 personnel because you've got two running backs there's a tight end right the interesting thing for me with the ravens and why i kept banging on and it was also similar with the browns was that particularly for the browns actually that 12 personnel means one running back and two tight ends it's a set that you see quite a lot and the interesting thing about that is that you can line them up in different places so for yes yeah, so the 12 personnel i've got one in running back two tight ends the ravens were using that quite a lot for running the interesting thing for me from the browns point of view was they spent the majority of the game in 11 personnel so they had one running back one tight end three receivers mm. but they were lining up in all kinds of formations their their tight end was lining up as a receiver he was lining up close he was running routes he was blocking but they were sticking with that group of personnel and just lining them up in loads of different ways rather than what you often hear is oh they've got four receivers and if you look very often they'll have three receivers in a tight end yeah. because they're in 11 personnel but there's a degree of complexity that they only want to go into when they're, when they're doing the TV commentary mm-hmm. so you've got four people lined up outside their four receivers the fact that one of them might be Gronk is um, immaterial until he catches <laughs> the ball because he's going up against another corner or a safety. Yeah, well, I know we've already talked about it as well, but uh, I know you went into a little bit more detail about the uh, Falcons Saints game from Thursday night. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much all all up on their blog, it, and it, we discussed it quite a bit earlier. But it was just the the Falcons just got behind and they just couldn't stick to the personnel groupings that worked for them because they were chasing the game. And the Saints, it was really was a throwback to their old offensive days. They moved the ball really well. They had that balance. But a lot of that was because, a bit like the Philip Rivers and Steelers game, Drew Brees was good enough. And I think we answered one of the questions. I was worried whether it was his supporting cast, his injury, or Father Time that was catching up with him. Mm. I think we've just ruled out age just for now. I mean, Father Time is undefeated, but... <laughs> he looked good in this game. The ball came out well. He was moving okay. I think there are still problems with the cast around him, but they were able to find something against the Falcons and keep him going. And you're going to, uh, this week, I think you're going to look at the uh, the Chargers-Packers game uh, for the coaching tape, aren't you? I, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was uh, it was a really good game. Yeah, it was a, it was a tough one to call when you've got... Um, I'm really curious as well about uh, the Panthers and how they managed to succeed against Seattle, but you've only got so much tape to look at. And yeah, the draw yeah. of finally getting to see Aaron Rodgers and what's going on with his team at the moment because they're not firing them in all cylinders and 
seeing how Philip Rivers managed to get those 500 yards, um, yeah, is really tempting. So I think I should be going through that tape. Oh, well, so I look forward to, uh, to reading it. So, uh, well, for that, all that and uh, much more, make sure you, uh, you check out the blog this week, uh, www.therongfootball.com. Are you ready for some football? So let's have a look at uh, week seven schedule. Um, Thursday night starts with the Seattle Seahawks at San Francisco 49ers. I think given the uh, given that the 49ers get a five and a half point head start in our in our uh, in our picks I'm going to go I think I'm still going to go for the Seahawks I'm this is one of those games I'm torn about the Seahawks they just can't hold a lead at the moment they're Mm. on the road it was interesting that apparently they were struggling to get the call in and that's what the problem was at the end of their game but you know when you look and see the three key members of a legion of boom sat around arguing with a linebacker over who should have covered Greg Olsen when he's just walked into the end zone and that was almost basically the exact same blown coverage they had against the Bengals with a tight end just running through the coverage and getting basically being untouched in the end zone I worry about them the 49ers tough D they're not as bad as everybody thought right at the start of the season they're solid I'm I'm leaning 49ers covering in a loss but I'm not sold yet and I want to do me numbers Fair enough. Uh, next game, uh, this one's at uh, Wembley. We've talked about it already. The Jaguars hosting the Bills. I say hosting at Wembley. I think I, I still think it's going to be the Bills. I, I think it's uh, it's it's one of those where the the Jags don't seem to do very well when they're over here. Um, that said, Bills are an unknown quantity over here. I just can't see. I, I can't see the Jaguars beating them. Everybody in England is so desperate. Um, I say England in Europe. Basically, everybody who follows the NFL and is invested in the international series would really love to see the Jaguars get yeah, a win. Yeah. Bortles is making such progress he's already thrown more touchdowns this season than he did last year but he just can't cut out those critical mistakes all about quarterback development which I'm writing about this week and I just think the Bills are going to have too much for them despite the injuries they've got 21 points against us it's surprising that Jaguars are struggling on defence but they are I do fancy the Bills to um, cover it this one Okay, uh, this next one I think I thought was really close when I was looking at this. Um, I'm not sure completely which way I'm going to go, but uh, Buccaneers against Washington. I th- I'm thinking Buccaneers. Buccaneers are given a three and a half point lead uh, or head start on it on this, I suppose. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be Buccaneers, but I, I still could change my mind on that one. I'm really unsure about that. The mm. team from Washington have struggled for the last two weeks, so I'm not sure we can say they've got a solid defence. Kirk Cousins is not a game manager because he turns the ball over too much. However, the Buccaneers have been really erratic on defence, and once or twice they've looked good and like a Lovey Smith defence, but they're not consistent, and they have a rookie quarterback who's throwing the ball away too much. It's a really tough one to pick. I'm just not sure right now. <laughs> I'll let you. Uh, Somebody keep... knows what they're doing with their points on that one. Let's just yeah, say that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, one that I think for me was much easier to uh, to pick. Um, Falcons at Titans. Um, Titans given the four and a half points. Uh, um, I can't see anything different but than than the than the Falcons. And I know we said this last week, but uh, I, I think it's going to be a Falcons win. I think I'm following suit. Whether they'll cover is interesting, but the Titans, you just worry about Mariota are coming off that knee injury. They haven't been able to protect him. There's been some hints, but it's just been not very good over the last couple of weeks, and you've just not seen the progress. I think the Falklands got caught short in a divisional game on the road against the Saints. They're on the road again, but... I just think that they might be able to do enough to get their the team ahead. Um, they've had a little extra time to get Julio Jones fit and firing in all cylinders. And yeah, I'm leaning Falcons too. 
Yeah, easy one for me. Easy one. Uh, Colts at Saints. Personally, I think this is going to be Saints. They're given four and a half points. I, I think it's. I, I think Saints are going to do this one. Yes, you think a win or a cover? Um, I, I think it'll be a win. I, I do think it'll be a win. See, I'm really torn on this because I don't think the Colts are a very good team at the moment. I think no, they've not. got some good skilled players, and Andrew Luck is being is struggling this season. Let's not mince words. The defense isn't great, but I don't trust that Saints defense at all. But if Drew Brees is going to continue looking like Drew Brees, then we could see some more wins. And I'm not sure if the Colts have done anything to earn a, a minus four and a half. Um, no. Even at home, I think I back Saints to cover a bit. I think it's a toss-up to, for who will actually win the game. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Um, the next game, we've got an NFC North clash. Uh, Vikings at Lions. Lions given two and a half points. Uh, I, I I can't. I know the Vikings obviously. Picked, sorry, the Lions picked up their first uh, win this this week, but I personally can't see them carrying it on. I think it'll be a Vikings win. There seems to be an awful lot of dysfunction there. The Vikings. I have a lot more faith in Mike Zimmer. The defense mm. is doing okay. I, you'd like to see a bit more progress from their quarterback, but if you've got Adrian Peterson, then you've got a chance and. Even gaining two and a half points, yeah, I think I'm going to do the Vikings rather than the Lions. Yeah. Um, Steelers, Chiefs, what are we thinking there? I'm just worried that I'm just going to keep saying the Chiefs aren't a bad team as they lose week in, week out. Uh, (laughs) I think Jamal Charles is a big loss and that showed up on Sunday. I like bits of the defence. You'll notice that their young cornerback, Peter Zorro, is impressed with has got another pick, but they're still giving up too many points and the Steelers just keep finding a way this season and I think they will have enough in this game. I don't know who's going to be their quarterback, but I think as long as it's not Mike Vick, then we should be okay. Fair enough. Right, this this is another one that I struggled with when I was looking at this. Browns at Rams. Um, Bearing in mind that Browns are giving five and a half points yeah the Browns are getting five and a half points I think this is an easy decision for me I think it's the Browns because they're going to do what they do week in week out and lose by um, a field goal except (laughs) that Rams defense is really quite good Mm. Um, the Browns are struggling it's on the road I think this matchup I'm a little bit more worried about than that I want to be glib and say that because the Browns have been narrow thereabouts all season but I just think that maybe this might be one game too many for them because the Rams have Todd Gurley, who is seriously impressive as a rookie, and that's more than what the Broncos had going in the run game, and we know the Browns can't defeat the run or defend the run, so no, no. I'm thinking Rams might actually cover that. Mm, I've gone I've gone Browns, personally, but I, I, I don't know. I, I've, it's another one that could change between now and me actually putting the picks in properly. And if nothing else, when I've when I've written it up, I'll have on, on podcast record that I ummed and ahed both teams very hard. <laughs> I say it, that's it. That's your defence. Indeed, on that one. Well, the next the next one. Um, you see, in time on a tradition, Dolphins at Texans. I'm going to go with the Dolphins, but I don't think I'm going to get this point. That's interesting because I'm sat here looking at what the Texans last week. Hoy is not a bad quarterback. He's not no. a good quarterback, but I keep banging on about him having a winning record in. in Cleveland it's a rare thing he's he's a competent high-end backup low-end starter but defense played a bit better it's the second game it's at home Dan Campbell bump does it come down to earth a bit I'm just not sure but I'm still not convinced by the Texans I'm leaning Dolphins I might regret that I might join you on Dolphins Island this week happy days 
We shall see. I, I, I'm going to go with, as I say, I'm going to go with Dolphins, but I personally am a little bit worried as to whether we'll get this one. I don't think I will. The next game, the uh, the, the AFC East um, match up at the top of the AFC East, Jets at Patriots. Uh, nine and a half points Jets get. Nine and a half points. Given that, I am probably going to go with the Jets, I think. I, I don't think they'll win, but I don't think they'll lose by 10 points. The Patriots just don't lose at home, but they've got, had some injuries at, on the offensive line, and the Jets' defence is just so good. And yeah. I don't think they've got enough to win it, but they can run the ball, they've got a bit of passing offence, you wouldn't trust Fitz Magic, but nine and a half points just seems a bit much against it's that defence. I'm leaning the Jets' cover. Too much for me. I think if and if they can, uh, if Chris Ivory can get a uh, get start making a dent in the uh, in in the Patriots early, I think they'll uh, I think they'll do pretty well. But uh, we shall see. We'll see what happens mm-hmm. in that one. Uh, Raiders at Chargers. I think I've got to go for the Chargers after after seeing how how, how they did last week. Um, I know you still got that one to watch, but uh, I I think it's uh, I think it's going to be the Chargers this one. I'm leaning that way too. Still excited about the young team in Oakland, but it's in San Diego. That might not be that great an advantage given how many um, away fans seem to get into San Diego. There were so yeah. many terrible ta- towels and Steeler fans in San Diego for that game. It was kind of horrifying, but it's possibly just a bit early for the Raiders, but you could see it. I might look at my, uh, I might start looking at my um, football outsider stats and make a call on that one in a bit. <laughs> well, at the, uh, at the Met Life, we've got to the Giants at Cowboys. Uh, I'm again, I'm going to go for the Giants on this one. I'm uh, going to go home team. I'm really, really hedgy this week, aren't I? I'm not convinced on all of them. I think a lot of the lines are very good. and You just don't know what you're getting out of this Cowboys team. And my confidence in the Giants team was just dented a bit. Having said mm. that, the Eagles are very good defensively. The Cowboys aren't. They're at home. I think maybe the Giants do it, but I'm worried about that points total. Late game on Sunday, we've got the uh, the Eagles at the Panthers. Um, Philadelphia Eagles at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it's got to be the Panthers. I know. I know they've done. Uh, I know the uh, uh, the Eagles obviously uh, did well this weekend. This weekend just gone against the Giants, but I think the Panthers have got enough to uh, to, to get that one, especially at home. I'm just confused by. The Panthers have a really good defence and offence that shouldn't be working, but they've managed to run the ball, and Cam Newton is doing an amazing job. I'm not sure he's the best quarterback in the league by a long shot, but he's what they need at quarterback. They've really built the team around him and his skill set, and he's doing being really effective. On the other hand, the Eagles, Sam Bradford still doesn't look right in the passing game. They seem to be running the ball a bit better. Interestingly, given the hype about Chip Kelly's offense, it seems to be his defense that's winning them games at the moment. Fletcher Cox has been amazing all season. Everybody started noticing him the last two games, but he's been playing well all season. But I think you're right. I think this is a Carolina win at home. And in the uh, the Monday night game, final game of the week, we've got the uh, Baltimore Ravens at the Arizona Cardinals. Seven and a half points given to the Ravens on this one. I'm going to go for the Cardinals, but I'm not sure. Because that, with, that, with that spread, I'm not sure. I feel your pain because we were bitten last week by it. But here's the thing. The Steelers are a flawed team, but they're fighting and scrapping. The Ravens might just be bad this season, and it feels mm. so weird to somebody who's followed the NFC North in and out um, through the years. The Ravens are a well-run franchise that 
doesn't do this, but they seem to be having a down year. And yeah. the secondary is bad, and that is not a position group you want to be bad against this Cardinals team. They're at home. I expect them to recover. I'm worried about the points, but I think I'm joining you with the Cardinals this week. Well, some close picks this week. You're you're winning by three uh, still on this season, so uh, not too not too bad going into 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 week seven. Yeah, plenty of time. It came down to the last week and one point last season. You know, in a comp- in a competition of the least incompetent rather than the best, and it looks <laughs> like it's shaping up that way It'll again. Be the same again. That's it. I felt that one way up here. Well, that's it for the second episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode three, looking back at all of week seven's games and ahead to week eight, including the last of this year's international series games uh, when the Chiefs host the Lions at Wembley, which you're going to. Yes, I'm still excited despite the miserable record of both teams. <laughs> In the meantime, remember to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Wrong Football. And check out the blog, www.therongfootball.com. If there's anything you want us to discuss next week, uh, drop us an email to twfpodcast at outlook.com. And if you have liked what you've heard over the last couple of weeks, please do us a favour. Go on to podcast.com or iTunes, rate us, leave some kind words. It's early days for the podcast, so we're really trying hard to build the listenership. Um, so please do your, do your bit and let people know. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Sayonara. Sayonara. <laughs>